Palm Sunday. Did you guys bring your palms? You're like, hey, the church is supposed to provide palms. Well, we just ripped this off from the plant outside right there. <laughs> this is a nice one, though. And so it is an, an epic day. It is really powerful. Palm Sunday, we're going to see it today. Um, but it, it must have been cool, huh? Can you visualize Jesus riding through on a donkey and everyone saying, Hosanna? I mean, and they weren't just saying it like normal. They were screaming like Hosanna. And I can almost visualize them jumping up and down like a rock concert or something. You know, Hosanna, because um, you guys know what that means, right? It means save now, I pray. And so one of the things that you'll see, unfortunately, though, on Palm Sunday is that they were thinking probably more along the lines of political stuff. Like they were really, um, um, they were thinking that when Messiah comes, he's going to set up his kingdom right now. He's going to overthrow the Roman government. And uh, that's what they were excited about. But um, ultimately, Jesus wasn't going to deliver them from the Roman government. He was going to deliver them from their sins. Now, at the end of the age, God will deliver us from the crazy governments that we have today. But um, that's not going to come until after the tribulation period. And so uh, great, great day today. I pray that we would know the significance of it. Um, I pray that as we go into this week, that God would just really work on our hearts. Um, if you're not connected with us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, look us up um, and connect with us. And we're going to do our best to try to kind of let you know what, what happened on Monday, what happened on Tuesday. Wednesday, there's nothing in the Bible as far as what happened on Passion Week. But then Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Friday, we have our good Friday service. And then uh, Sunday uh, at uh, Easter, we're going to be at the uh, community center, 3130 Tyler Avenue. It's going to be at what time? 10 a.m. All right, cool. And sometimes people don't come to church every week, obviously. They know they say that 30% of the church is missing every single Sunday. So if you know someone that attends Calvary Chapel Almani and they are not here, let them know that we're not going to be here next week. We're going to be over there because otherwise they're going to think that they got left behind, right? The church got raptured. And so um, get the word out. And not only that, we don't have flyers to give out this year uh, because everything happened so uh, last minute. The city gave us permission kind of at the last minute. But we do have like invites that you can do on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. We'll even you know email you if you email us. So we'll send you graphics and things like that. But really, at this time of year, um, we should all be inviting people, really, because this is one of those holidays where um, people say they come to church service on Christmas and Easter, and, uh, and so we want to take advantage of that. Not only that, you guys, my, my prayer is that we would really, really pray throughout this week, because when people come, we, we, it has to be God. It has to be the living God bringing the dead from a, from to life. Only God can do that. And I believe that God does that only in response to our prayers, in response to our understanding that we can't do this without him. So pray this week. Um, how many of you guys have seen The Passion of the Christ? I'm just curious. Uh, if you haven't seen that, um, I would say, you know, see it. I'm not saying it's like perfectly, you know, accurate. There's some things in there. They had probably too much of Mary Magdalene in there. But man, if you want to see like Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we're still sinners, he died for us. You want to see how much he loves you. You just have to look at the cross. And so uh, this is a great week. Uh, how many of you here are just curious, is God working on your life? Is God like molding you and shaping you? And uh, how many of you here have failed this week? I'm just curious. Did anyone sin? <laughs> 
You know, sometimes when we sin, I will say this, you guys, and I'm not making light of it, don't get me wrong, but sometimes when we sin, it's God showing us, and it's like the dross rising to the surface, and now it's an opportunity by the power of the Holy Spirit, God showing us who we are apart from Him, to skim those things off. But I will say this, that as a church, we gather together, none of us are perfect, we're all different members of the body, we have all these different ministries what for? What's going on? Is it a routine? Is it something that you do like on a weekly basis to check off that religious list? No. God is working in us. God is working in us, and God wants to work through us. It's pretty much as simple as that. I want to know him, and I want to make him known. That's kind of what we do at church service, okay? So a lot of opportunities to get involved or whatever, go to the women's luncheon. I will tell you this, more than likely that women's luncheon is going to sell out. I know it's going to be a blessing. Michelle Randall is a blessing. She's going to be sharing the word. Worship's going to be amazing. Um, so I would encourage you ladies, I'm just telling you, you might want to sign up because it might fill up, okay? And then the marriage uh, thing. How many of you here are married? I'm just curious. Raise your hand. It'd be cool for you to join us for the marriage ministry. It's going to be Tacos and Portos. And so we get the kind of like the, the, the best of both worlds. Um, Ponkage and his wife, Tanyelle, uh, they're going to be leading us in worship. And then uh, our brother is going to be sharing the word. And he's going to be sharing from a really unique perspective. Uh, as uh, As Rich was saying, he's the pastor over at Calvary Chapel, Kathmandu in Nepal. And so it's going to be a blessing. So hopefully you guys can join us for that night. One of the things I like about the marriage fellowships is that they, uh, you, you get to meet other couples, you know, and hopefully we can form friendships because we need that fellowship with other couples. It's really important. Not only that, we get to get into the word and things like that. And so keep it in prayer. Um, if you're interested in giving, uh, donating here at Calvary Chapel Almani, we have an agape box at the back. You can go on our church app and donate there, or you can just text the word give to 626-727-8808. And one of the things I'm just so blown away with is how God has provided for us as a church. He's blessed us so much. And I, I know he blesses you when you give, not out of obligation, but when you give out of devotion. And so I um, just want to encourage you guys along those lines, okay? So today we're going to be in Matthew 21. If you have a Bible, let's go ahead and open up there. And let me pray with you. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for your people, Lord. I'm pretty sure there are some that are struggling as they're sitting here today. Uh, for whatever reason, there are various reasons, because there is an, an intense spiritual battle that is going on for them. I pray, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would bless them, that you would speak to them, that you would encourage them in your love, that they would know they're not a product of random chance and evolution, but God, you made them with a mission. I pray, Lord, they would know this. I pray you bless your church. And as we study your word today, that you would give me, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord. We love you and thank you. Go before us, comfort all the grieving, and just do a work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew chapter 21, as we look back in history, we're going to see it was the Sunday before you know, Jesus died. That Friday, he would rise again the following Sunday. 
Now, we call it Palm Sunday because in John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 13, it says that they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet Jesus. And so um, you'll see that there. Now, you might wonder why palms. Um, I don't palms, they're kind of peaceful, they're pretty. But really, when you read the scriptures, palms were symbolic of joy. They're symbolic of victory. They're symbolic of triumph. Uh, when you read through the Old Testament, even if you go to Israel today, you'll see a lot of palm trees. And it's all because of the fact that it's so rooted in the scriptures. In 1 Kings chapter 6 and chapter 7 in Solomon's temple, they had palm trees everywhere inscribed within the temple. And so later on, we're going to see in the book of Revelation chapter 7, in verse 9 and 10, that one day when we're in heaven, we will actually have palm branches and we will be raising them to Jesus. Did you guys know that? And so this Palm Sunday is a powerful Sunday. It's a purposeful Sunday. We're going to see how significant it is. And as we go through our study today, I want to give you guys four words. They're not theological words, but they're very practical. And my prayer is that you would make a connection between these four words and Palm Sunday. Number one is the donkey. We're going to see that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and that's very, very significant. Number two, we're going to see the day. And this day is circled. It's highlighted throughout the scriptures. The significance of this day that was really highlighted on God's calendar before time began is amazing. So we're going to see the donkey. We're going to see the day. We're going to see the declaration that they said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna. And uh, they screamed it, you know? I I was wondering, can you guys scream Hosanna? Hosanna. Oh, man, that's bad. That's bad. It's my fault because I didn't give you a cue. Let me just see how loud you can do it. One, two, three. Oh, man, that's cool. Now I want you to jump up and down when you say it. (laughs) You know, one day we're going to be there in heaven, and man, it's going to be so amazing as they're waving those palm branches of victory and beauty and prosperity and triumph because of what Jesus has done. The king has come to Jerusalem. So the donkey, the day, the declaration, and then the last thing is the decision. The decision. And so let me ask you a question. What, what, what was Palm Sunday all about? Some people, they, they don't really get the point. They miss the whole point. Well, what is it? Well, what it is is that Jesus presents himself to the people in order that they might make a decision as to his identity and then make a decision to follow him. If you don't follow Jesus, who are you following? As a matter of fact, it's interesting in Matthew 21. Look at verse 10 real quick. This is towards the end of what we're going to study today. It says, And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. They were tripping out and saying and asking, Who is this? Who is this? And that's really the heart of what Palm Sunday is all about. Jesus came to show the world who he is He is the Christ, the the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the Savior of the world, and therefore we should choose to follow him. And so we see it here in Matthew 21, we read in verse 1. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, And immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. 
loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says, hey, what's up? If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord put the words in their mouth, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. In other words, or let the donkey and colt go. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. This is in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, written 500 years earlier. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And they brought the donkey and the colt, and they laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. It's like they were rolling out the red carpet. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And then the multitudes went before, and those who followed, I mean, they were just surrounding him, and cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And you guys know what psalm that's from? Psalm 118. So Psalm 119 is the longest psalm. Psalm 118 is the loudest psalm. You're going to see this. It's so messianic. It says, And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. Of Galilee. And so we begin, first of all, with the donkey. Uh, Jesus reaches uh, the city that's about two miles away from Jerusalem. He sends a couple of his disciples into town and he says, Okay, this is what I want you guys to do. I want you to go and you get the donkey, the colt, the foal of a donkey, and just bring them to me. And when the owner questions you, just tell him, Hey, the Lord needs it, and then they'll they'll let you they'll let you grab it. And what what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna borrow it just for a second. And so as they went, everything happened just as Jesus said. Now, just a couple of quick side notes as we look at this story right here. It's interesting to me that Jesus didn't own his own donkey. You know, you would figure that he's the the God who, the Bible says, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Um, You know, he owns the universe. He made and maintains everything. You would figure at least he would have his own car. But he didn't. He did not have a Mustang. He did not have a donkey. And so he had to borrow one. You know, one of the things you'll find about Jesus, again, just as a quick side note, he had to borrow a donkey. He had to borrow a denarius. He didn't have any money. He did not have a place to to lay his head. The Bible said he didn't own his own home. And not only that, when he died, he had to borrow a grave. So just as a quick side note, you guys, be careful of materialism. Now, it doesn't mean you can't own anything, but just make sure that the things you own don't own you. How many people have missed out on eternal life or their mission in life because they are possessed by their possessions? Jesus said it's hard for a rich man. And so real quick, number one, I noticed that Jesus didn't own a donkey. He had to borrow a donkey. Number two, another thing I think is interesting is how Jesus was able to seize everything in advance in detail. You know, he's able to say, hey, you guys, I want you to go over there and you're going to see the donkey and when they're going to say this and this is what I want you to say. And when I was reading that, I was thinking, Lord, it's so cool how you, you're able to see everything and I have a personal relationship with you. So I know one of the things that every single day of my life, you know exactly what I'm going to face. And if I would read your word and then listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, you will prepare me for the day. 
I can bet any amount of money, and I'm not a betting man, but I'll bet you almost any amount of money, every one of you here has a lie in your mind. You wake up with a lie in your mind. Oh, this guy doesn't like me, or this situation is like this, or whatever it might be. And you, sometimes you don't even know it's a lie, but you want to know something? The devil's a liar. So everybody is getting these thoughts, and everybody is getting these lies. So we have to be able to distinguish between what are lies and what is the voice of God. And when, when I see this, Jesus being able to see everything in advance, and then they're going to say this, and then I want you to say that, I personally, I see the way that we have this personal relationship and fellowship with God. And if only we would listen to him, our life will be completely different. But we have to maybe put down the phone a little bit. We have to really listen to God. My sheep, Jesus said, they know my voice. And so just as a couple of quick side notes there, um, another interesting thing to see here is that Jesus even knew that the donkey did not have a history that no one had ever written on it, but the Lord would break it in as a display of his majesty over creation. And so for us, just looking at Jesus, it just blows us away. This donkey, you might wonder, well, why did he write in on a donkey? Well, number one, I'll give you guys three things. Number one, to fulfill prophecy. He said, go get the donkey. I'm going to have to write into it because in 500 BC, Zechariah wrote this prophecy about how one day their king would come in riding on a donkey. Now, typically, you wouldn't picture a king riding in on a donkey. You would picture a king riding in on what? A horse, a magnificent stallion. How about a white horse? Well, Jesus will ride in on a horse one day. You would figure maybe even a chariot. But in Revelation chapter 19, when Jesus comes back the second time, he will come on a horse. But the first time, it says he's going to come on a donkey. And that's in fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, where the Bible says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout. That's why I wanted you guys to shout. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so this would be the sign of the Savior. The coming king would come in into Jerusalem on a donkey. So that's one reason he comes in to fulfill prophecy. The second reason he comes in on a donkey uh, is to show his humility. Huh? You know, not only was it a sign to see a prophecy, the identity of his majesty, but riding in on a donkey displayed his heart of humility. I was thinking it would be kind of like if someone were, you guys ever seen those really small cars? I think they're called smart cars. Have you guys ever seen those? Now, if you have a smart car, forgive me. I'm not saying anything bad about them. They're probably good cars, but it'd be kind of like Jesus riding into a church or whatever on one of those little smart cars or something, you know, and you're like, what is he doing? And the reason is he's riding in on this donkey just to show his awesome, his amazing, his unintimidating humility. I mean, you can approach him. You can come to him. You guys, he's not this arrogant, distant, lofty one out there who is not willing to just run to you and just you know, give you a big old hug and just uh, a, a big kiss. I mean, our God is this amazing God who shows how humble he is. It's important for us to understand this nature of God because when we find ourselves in life, sometimes we're hurting. A lot of people have kind of like a social phobia. Do any of you guys have that? I'm just curious. 
or, you know, where you feel uncomfortable around people. I mean, the Lord tries to do it in such a way that we would not feel uncomfortable around him. He invites us to him. I've always loved that passage in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so the Lord, I think, rides into Jerusalem on donkey, number one, to fulfill prophecy, number two, to show his humility, and then number three, he's offering serenity. And what that is, is is peace. Now, in the Hebrew culture, whenever a king rode in on a donkey, it meant that he was coming in peace. That's the way Solomon rode uh, into uh, his coronation in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 33, when David chose him to be the next king, he rode through town on a donkey. He wasn't seated on a stallion. It wasn't a choice chariot. It was a donkey, and that meant that he's coming in peace. And that's how Jesus has come. Jesus has come to extend peace to you. You know, you find yourself struggling. You find yourself uh, maybe failing. You know, over and over and over again, um, I, I know that I find myself there a lot, and the Lord just says, man, here's my blood. I'll wash away your sins. Here's my grace. I will give you good things that you don't deserve. And so what do we do with that? I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, God says. The proper response would be for me to say, and I love you too, God. I love you. you finally, that love is sinking in, and I love you. He's come in peace so that we can have peace with him. He's come in peace so that we can have not only the peace with God, but the peace of God. And you're only going to have the peace of God. The only way you'll ever get the peace of God is if you know you're accepted by God. And that's the thing that I think that sometimes we go crazy because we're so worried about what other people think of us. We're worried about you know, other things. And God is just saying, listen, I love you. Uh, you're accepted by me. And so when Jesus comes the first time, he comes in peace. Now, again, just as a quick side note, is he coming in peace the second time? No, he's coming in judgment. He's saying, okay, what state is that? What state? Oh, the state of California? Or there are the state, there are the state that they want to kill babies, uh, perinatal rights, so that when babies come out of the womb, whatever, six, seven weeks later, mom neglects the baby, the baby dies? That's okay? No, absolutely not. We got laws like that already passed in Maryland and Colorado. 70 million babies slaughtered within the womb of a mom? Do you think God is okay with that? Absolutely not. We have teachers over in Florida. I know there are teachers at other places. They want to teach our kindergartners about their gay lifestyle. So what does Florida do? Florida passes a law that says, no, you can't do that. It's the parents' right to choose how they're going to raise their little kindergartners, first graders, second graders, and third graders. But you want to teach them the perversity? I mean, you got, you know, the Russians over there, and they're throwing these bombs that are, that are directed toward train stations where 
the refugees are, the fugitives are. Fifty are killed just like that, including women and, and children. I mean, God is looking at all the things that are going on in the world, and you got Disney doing their thing, and they're going to now slam their agenda down your children's throats against, the, against God, things that are anti-biblical. When he comes a second time, let me tell you, it's not going to be the same. It says in Revelation 19, he comes on a white horse and he's got a sword in his mouth and he will smite the earth with his judgment. Judgment really is justice. So you're like, well, Manny, why are you talking about that? This is Palm Sunday. Well, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying because he came the first time in peace. Maybe there's some people here today, you're, they're like, I'm not really going to serve the Lord. I'm going to wait until later. Well, it might be too late. Because what we see right now, what Jesus is, man, is he's coming. I don't know. No man knows the day or the hour. But on that first Palm Sunday, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, it was for three reasons. Number one, to fulfill prophecy, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Number two was to show his humility, how, how, how humble he is. And then number three, to offer serenity. I offer you peace. You want to do your own thing? You want to live your own life? Then you are, you are choosing to be an enemy of God. What I would encourage you to do is to come to Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And give your heart to him today. And so, first of all, the donkey. Secondly, the day. When you think of Palm Sunday, this day is such an amazing day. Up to this point in his ministry, Jesus did not want to purposely draw attention to himself. He never uh, completely opened himself as the Messiah. Uh, He would heal people and he would tell them, tell no one, tell no one. Now, if someone got healed in here, let's just say, you know, you couldn't walk and then all of a sudden you got healed, we would probably call it Channel 7 News or whatever. We'd say, hey, we want to tell everybody what God has done, but it doesn't make any sense why there would be this miracle, this amazing miracle of God healing somebody. And I even think today we got to get the word out, more of these miracles, but for some reason, when Jesus healed people, he says, see that you tell no one. In Matthew 8, 4, Mark 7, 36, when he healed the deaf and mute man, he commanded them that they should tell no one. Mark chapter 9, verse 9, after they saw Jesus in his Shekinah glory, he says, see that you tell no one. In Caesarea Philippi, when Peter came straight out and he was able to accurately identify Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 30, he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. And in one sense, you're like, wait a minute, it doesn't make any sense. Isn't that why Jesus came? Didn't he come to tell the world that he was the Christ? Yes, he did, but he wanted to do it predominantly on this day. This was the day in which he would tell the whole world who he was in a public manifestation of his glory. Pastor Chuck Smith said up to this point, Jesus was resistant to any outward attempts to pronounce him as king. As he healed people, he often told them not to tell anyone, but now his hour had come. And this is where, you guys, I I pray that you uh, you would really, really take this one to heart. You know, if you would, turn to Psalm 118.
What's the longest psalm in the Bible? 119. And just in my opinion, the loudest psalm in the Bible is 118. In Psalm 118, look at verse 22. Psalm 118, verse 22, it says, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Now, who's that stone? It's Jesus, huh? So imagine you build this big temple and you got all these stones that have been chiseled out ahead of time. They were, you know, sent up to the temple mount to build the temple and then they found one and they threw it aside. They're like, ah, we don't need this one. But later they come to discover that that one that they rejected is actually the chief cornerstone. It's the most important part of the whole building. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 42, Jesus quoted this passage as pointing to himself. It says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. It says in verse 23, this was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. When you see it, it's just amazing. And so it says in verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray, O Lord, O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Now there in verse 25 where it says, save now, I pray. Do you know what Hebrew word that is? Hosanna. Who said it? You go, all right. She gets money afterwards. Hosanna. (laughs) It's Hosanna. Hosanna, save now I pray. What they were quoting as Jesus was riding into Jerusalem that Palm Sunday was Psalm 118, 25 and 26. But look at verse 24, where it says, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, normally when we quote that passage, we quote it every day, huh? We're like, hey, it's a great day. It's a great day today. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. How many of you guys do that? You're like, yeah, that's good for every day. Well, it is in principle, but not in precept, not in context. In context, this is the day that the Lord has made is this day. It's Palm Sunday. And we're going to see that as we go through this, an amazing prophecy in which the Lord, he he actually chose this day to present himself to the whole wide world so that later on, we read in Matthew chapter 21, they're like, who is this? Who is this? God presents himself, Jesus presents himself to the whole world so that we can ask that question, who is this? Let me ask you a question today. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Because if you're not able to say that, you're in big trouble. He is the Lord. You have to know who he is. He's the Christ, the Messiah, the one that the Bible predicted in the Old Testament, the coming Messiah, the Savior of the world. This is the day he presents himself for us, we're going to see later, to be able to make a decision. As a matter of fact, Luke 19 and verse 42, let me read to you a verse. Jesus says, as as he's speaking of Jerusalem, in this context that we're talking about, he said, if you had known even you, especially in this, your day, the things that make for your peace. But now, because they had rejected him, they are hidden from your eyes. Do you guys see how the Lord, he in advance 
chose this day, this one day, Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, I'm telling you guys, man, it is a powerful day. It is a day with a purpose in which Jesus Christ presents himself and he wants them to make a decision. It's a day that is prophesied over in the book of Daniel. I want you to turn there, if you would, to Daniel chapter 9. And I know some of you guys have, have, have read this before. You know what? And you're, I, This is my prayer, you guys, and I'm going to say this if it makes sense. Okay, you've heard it before, right? And you're like, oh, no, man, he's going to do this uh, that 70-week of Daniel thing again. I've heard it before. I want, I want to repeat it until you can teach it to others. This is how important this is. I want the whole church to be able to not only know it and say, oh, I've heard it, I've heard it, I've heard it. Now you're teaching it, you're teaching it, you're teaching it. Because this is huge. In Daniel chapter 9, as Daniel's praying for his country, he's praying for the Jews, he's praying for them as they're slaves, they're captive in bondage in Babylon. Then God ends up sending an angel to them and what God sends an angel to Daniel and he tells him these things about the future that are so amazing. It's called the 70 weeks of Daniel. So look what it says in Daniel 9 verse 24. 70 weeks are determined. Now the word weeks literally in the Hebrew is sevens. Seventy sevens. So it makes sense. It ends up being 77 year period. 77 year periods are determined for your people. Now, who are your people? He's talking to Daniel. Who are they? The Jews. And for your holy city, that would be Jerusalem, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness. That's, that's huge. That's heaven. That's heaven. That's like 77-year periods in which God is dealing with the Jews is going to finish everything. That's what he's saying right here. To bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. Now, who do you think that is? That's Jesus. Okay, so from the time they issued the command to go forth and restore and build Jerusalem until Jesus, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now, I know it's been a long time since we've taken a math class, but what is seven plus 62? 69. Good job, Shelly. You did it. <laughs> 69 seven-year periods. It says the street shall be built again and the wall, even in in troublesome times. And so he says right there, straight out, black and white objective. You don't have to be, you know, a theologian. You don't even have to be a believer to be able to see how simple this is, that from the day they issued the edict to go forth and rebuild Jerusalem until the coming of the Messiah, there would be 69 seven-year periods. And so it's really simple. March 14th, 445 BC, the edict went out from King Artaxerxes to go and restore Jerusalem, rebuild it, 69 seven-year periods, 173,880 days, because you would use a Jewish calendar, takes you to April 6, 32 AD, the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. 
So for us, Palm Sunday, the day, this is the day the Lord has made. If you would only have known this, your day, here we have it, to the very day that he would come in. Listen, Christians, we have faith, but we have faith that's founded on fact. That's why so many of you here, when the day was, when you were there and you're like, man, I, I don't, I just know I need Jesus. I need the Lord. Maybe you were struggling in your sin. Maybe you're struggling with addiction. Maybe you're struggling with, with some form of or pornography or alcohol or just emptiness, pride. It could be anything, materialism. You tried boyfriends and girlfriends. You tried everything to fill the void. It couldn't fill the void. And then one day, by faith, you said yes to Jesus. You gave him your heart. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross, rose for you, and when you, you, because it was there, you were there, he's drawing you to him, and then when you said yes, God came into your life. You see, what we have is this salvation of faith founded on fact. Here it gives us the very day that Jesus would come in, and look what it says next. It says, and after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. What does cut off mean? He would be killed, but he wouldn't be killed for himself. Who did he die for? Us. Why didn't the Jews see this? Why didn't they see so simple that their Messiah would be killed? And then he goes on and he talks about what's going to happen in that final week, which is the final seven years of world history in which God, right now we're living in the time of the Gentiles, but he's going to go back. He's going to rapture the church. We're going to get taken out, just like Enoch was taken out in Genesis chapter 5. We're going to get taken out, and then God's going to get seven years. And all the things that we see going on right now, all the government mandates, all the globalism, all that kind of stuff, we see even grain going up 17%, gas, everything. We are in, just we're being indoctrinated. We're being prepared. The world is being prepared for that last, Revelation 13, the last seven-year period in which God will deal with the Jews as final seven years in world history. And then we're going to see even the rise of the European community, because right here it says the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the sanctuary. Now, who destroyed Jerusalem, the temple, in 70 AD? It was the Romans. It was the Romans. And when you read Daniel chapter 2, you see that the revived Roman Empire will rise. What do we see going on in Europe right now? The European community is rising just like the Bible says. And so what we find in Palm Sunday is, man, it's an amazing day. The power of it, the purpose of it, we see the donkey and how that is fulfilled prophecy, humility, serenity. And then we see this day to the very day how the Lord predicted exactly what would happen. That moves us back to Matthew 21. And notice again what we read in verse 9, the declaration, and then the multitudes who went before and those who followed, they cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Have you guys ever been to like a a soccer game or football game or a baseball game and you got some parents that are crazy? (laughs) Have you guys ever been there? Some of them are crazy. Some of them are pretty mellow, you know, but some of them are pretty crazy. And I would consider myself kind of like more of an introvert, mellow, chill, and stuff like that. 
But every once in a while, man, I'll, I'll, I'll leap and I'll jump and I'll just get all excited and stuff. I, there's no doubt about it that when I'm there and I, we're in Revelation chapter 7 and I'm just seeing King Jesus and all that, I mean, I am going to be so, so, I mean, joyful, loud, jumping. I mean, it's going to be amazing. See, we're moving towards that day. Now, you go back to this day, April 6, 32 AD, and we're, you wonder, you're like, well, wait a minute, time out. They said it, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But, but here's the thing, the declaration, we're talking about the declaration. Number one, they, they didn't mean it from the heart. It was only in the head. And number two, they probably were thinking along the lines of, well, Jesus is coming now, the Christ is coming, the Messiah is coming now, so that I can get my kingdom on earth. I want my kingdom here. I want it now. And when that wasn't really the plan, God wasn't going to make their life on earth all hunky-dory. He wasn't going to overthrow the Roman government at this point. Then, you know, it didn't take much persuasion. A little bit of religious, you know, twisting and, you know, hey, next thing you know, what are they saying? What are they saying? Crucify him. If God's not going to give me what I want right now, because a lot of people, they don't, they're like, it's all about now. It's all about me. Then you know what? I'm not going to serve him. It's because they don't understand that God's ways are better, that God's plan is better. I never knew what God was going to do in my life. I never knew. I just followed him one step at a time. I said, oh, he said, okay, I want you to do this. Whatever it was, you know, Bible study for the people who have had a nervous breakdown. And I want you to do, you know, that for two years. And I want you to do, you know, Bible study for a convalescent home. You know, because there's no glory there. I'm testing you. And then I want you to do this and I want you to do that. And I don't know what God has for you. But I will say this, that along the way, Satan is going to have his, his offers. And God will have his testings. If you're living for just the here and now and you're not thinking of the kingdom, if you're not willing to take up your cross and follow him, then you might end up like these people one day. Now one time, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he comes in the name of the Lord. You're praising God. Next thing you know, you know what? I don't even want anything to do with that anymore. That's where they were because their hearts weren't in it. Now I will say this, and I just, because I don't want people to come away with things with improper application doesn't mean that we can't fight for our nation. We must fight for the United States of America. We must pray for our nation. We must fight for the biblical rights. We must do our best, man, to make sure that we are engaged in this war for the heart of our nation that was at one time a nation under God. Don't get me wrong. We must have that. But the priority at the end of the day is our personal relationship and the kingdom of God. It is possible to have both. But just make sure you don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Make sure that the priority is the kingdom of God. Here we have this amazing Palm Sunday and we see the, the donkey and significance of it. We see the day and wow, the, the day, how it was predicted. We see the declaration and how it has to come from the heart. Hosanna, save me now, Lord, please. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Because that leads us to the last word, and that is the word decision. That somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, well, if I could just say it this way, and I, I don't want to sound dramatic. I don't want to sound dramatic, but I want to I want to capture everyone's heart here because I know that, you know, we love you guys. We love you. But life is not easy. And there's this flesh that we have that wants to do its own thing. But did you know that the Bible says one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And if you want... What we're talking about here, you want that peace, you want that salvation, you want Palm Sunday to be something that has significant and true meaning to your life, then you have to bow your knees to Jesus now. This is what we have to do.